0: Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. A podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, Patient centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voice's most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com.
2: Well, hello, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast today. I am your host, Desiree Collins-Bradley, and we have a robust conversation to have with you today. I can't wait. So today we have with us Dr. Kirsten my singer. Welcome, welcome. Why, thank you, Desiree. Great. So, Kirsten, I know you extremely well. I know we've worked together for quite some time on some CMS stuff, transforming clinical practice initiative, and so really got to know each other quite well. And so, I know, you know, with everything going on with COVID and and all this, all things COVID and telehealth, we really want to have a rich conversation. So, before we get started, why don't you go ahead and introduce your lovely self to our listeners? (laughs)
1: I will do that. (laughs) Uh, My
2: name is uh, Kirsten Meisinger.
1: I uh, am a doctor. I am a family doctor, in fact. And I work at at the Cambridge Health Alliance, which is a, uh, what's called, we call it a safety net um, healthcare system, which means uh, if you show up, we take you as our patient. Doesn't matter whether you can pay or not. Everybody is our patient. Um, And we are just north of Boston, Massachusetts. um, And I've been a family doc. With the same group of patients um, who are now like my family for 20 years um, and all the entire
2: time at Cambridge Health Alliance, which has been an absolute joy. Oh, wow. That is awesome. Talk about continuity of care at its best. That is amazing. So, you know, you, I, you know, the state of the world, everybody is is knee deep in coronavirus, COVID-19 and when I thought about doing this podcast and the topic, I couldn't think of anybody better to have this conversation with two reasons. One, you're in the knee, knee deep in the weeds of patient care every day. And like you said before, you've been treating your patients for quite some time. And then two, Cambridge Health Alliance, along with your partnership, you guys have really been kind of innovators in the field of patient and family engagement. And I know that you're going to be able to share with us some really good insights. So, What you know? First of all, I just want to start off and say, how has COVID kind of impacted the way you've delivered your patient care, if at all?
1: So it feels to me, Desiree, like a something a a little switch got flipped overnight, and the entire world just turned itself right upside down. Mm -hmm. And within 10 days, we had turned 90% of visits that I was doing in the office to doing everything by telephone and yeah that's and that is a very short time to take every single clinic every single specialist every single primary care doc pa nurse practitioner and turn everything on its head and all of a sudden we're sitting on our couches um doing telehealth or for initially we actually were sitting in the clinic for a while and we realized it was kind of silly sitting next to each other that we would actually be a risk to each other so We have this very weird, interesting existence where I now reach out to people that I've known for 20 years and families who are like my family, but I'm sitting either at, you know, the sort of desk in my living room or on the (laughs) couch or sometimes I have to run into the bedroom if the kids wake up. Like it's a very funny, strange place to be. But the the wonderful part is that I still, you know, the second I hear my patient's voice and the second they hear my voice, we're just instantly connected again. And we, so building on that relationship, using Mm -hmm. telehealth to be able to do that has just been fabulous.
2: You know, and and I'll, I'll say telehealth comes in many spaces. And so versions, I'll say. You know, I'll, I'll take my daughter and my examples for existence. You know, before this, we were before we started recording, we were talking about my torn meniscus and ACL. And so I ended up having to do a lot of those televisits because this is fresh now. You know, we started out on the phone and then my physician was like, let's try this um, video conferencing port didn't quite work had to go back to the phone whereas my daughter she's in one health system and she has had three to four different versions of telehealth medicine so wow. i'll say it can be extremely confusing and overwhelming and and i consider myself a very seasoned seasoned patient. And so have you guys, have you guys been using one platform? Are you using multiple different platforms? What does that look like in your practice?
1: You know, we've just pretty, we've kept it just the telephone. We've kept it real simple because, you know, it's a distraction to me if I only have 20 minutes with you to try and take care of you. If we're trying to set up the video and I'm trying to teach you how to download something and or, you know, you call in and, you know, everyone's busy at this point. It seems like we're all trapped at home, but everybody's actually busy the whole time because mm-hmm. you're either trapped at home with a bunch of people you're trying to entertain or um, or you're often you're working from home if you're lucky. Um, so we actually fortunately in Massachusetts, Massachusetts as a state just said, you know what, video is great, but we're not going to require it. So we actually okay. don't have to use video. We can just use telephone. And it's okay. been a really interesting journey. I would say before this experience that I fully expected video to be required for me to do a good job taking care of people in Mm -hmm. telehealth. And now I really Mm -hmm. don't believe that's true at all. I think even for rashes, video is actually hard because you got to focus the camera on just the right part of your skin. And it's better Mm -hmm. just to send me a picture. So it's fascinating. I would say I'm a big fan of the telephone and there's a, a really interesting thing. You know me, I'm constantly reading. Oh, yeah, Lord. but you that's kind of what you want in a doctor, right? So I guess that's a good yes. quality. Um, <laughs> uh, and I was reading about how people find the video connection because it's delayed, because people aren't looking in each other's eyes, actually sort of psychologically distressing. That there's a kind oh, of God. weirdness to it that is unsettling to us, and it, it's kind of below the surface. So mm-hmm. they were talking about how if people have a full day of these Zoom meetings that everyone talks about but yeah. at the end of it, people are kind of on edge and they're not really sure why. Um, hmm. And apparently the telephone doesn't do that because what I've done right now is Desiree, like I know you, so now as as I hear your voice, your head is in my, in my mind, right? I have your face in my mind and there's yeah. nothing wrong with your face, right? Your face looks like your face always looks. But if I had you on Zoom, There might be a delay between what you're saying and um right and Mm -hmm. i'm sort of worried because you you wrinkle your forehead and i think you're mad at me it's fascinating it was a fascinating article so um and i don't know any more about that because i think maybe none of us do we're just starting this funny journey but the most important part about telehealth with COVID is that we can all be safe and not Mm -hmm. in the same room with each other because the way COVID is transmitted is through close personal contact and a larger respiratory droplets not mm-hmm. the little baby ones, which is good. But at least, yeah. at least we got that right. So those, you yeah. know, homemade masks or bandanas or whatever you want to throw on when you're stuck face to face with someone are actually probably fine. Um, mm-hmm. But it also matters how long you're you're, you're with someone, right? Because you can get a little stuff seeping into the air. So mm-hmm. so people who you live with if one person's positive for COVID, most times everybody in the house or apartment or, you know, relatively close contact with them over, yeah. over a long time winds up yeah. becoming positive, but not always. We've had, you know, we've had people
2: self-quarantine pretty
1: effectively in their, just their
2: room. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, you know, I, well, I know we take, we're being extra, extra careful and in, in, in practicing our social distancing, hand washing, and as well as wearing our mask, you know, and gloves when we're out. So, you know, just trying trying to do our part. So how, you know, I know that it was a, a quick, you know, turnaround. You say within 10 days, everything flipped. How were your patients, If did they express to you? Did they like the telehealth? Were they afraid of it? Um, I know that you see a very diverse patient population, and I'd be interested to know any feedback that you receive from them you know, around the tele, what was the messaging that you guys use? How did you get the message across to them? Hey, you know, we're able to see you um, over the phone.
1: Well, one one of the things that I love most about the work we do at Cambridge Health Alliance, particularly in primary care, is that we work in teams. So our patients were very comfortable with our receptionists. They know our medical assistants by name, so they can get a phone call from any of us and they fully expect us to call them um, because we will not wait. If you have diabetes for you to come in and get care, we'll we'll kind of we'll pester you until you come and get care. We have you on a list and we want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And we have found over time that it's it's always the patients that don't come in who need the most help, but they're often afraid to do that. So our patients actually are used to getting phone calls from us. So when we called them, they were like, hey, what's going on? Um, You know, you want me to come in? We're like, actually, no, we do not want you to come in. We would like you to have a telephone appointment, which was a little tricky to explain to people. Because, you know, we still have folks who are like in the car on their way to see me as I call them. I've I've learned to call a little bit early just in case. And I'm like, no, no, pull over. This is the visit. It is not safe (laughs) to see each other right now. Um, and, you know, we do everything in about 80 languages, but really five primary languages, because Boston's the kind of city that people have settled in when they come from another country. We're very comfortable with the diversity that really is increasing parts of the United States. That's always the way port cities in the East Coast have operated. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up that way. So so we're really comfortable switching languages around. And one of the things that we had to figure out right away was how to get our interpreters. On phone calls with us because the way, boy were they more important than ever. I mean, they're always important, but it was like, wow, yeah. I really have nothing to go on if I don't if I don't understand your language or you understand mine. Um, yeah. So that was, I think, one thing that that may feel a little different for folks who don't have a, a high proportion of folks who don't speak English. But um, but again, it's you know, keeping it simple was really important. Just you know, use the telephone. Um, there's a certain set of codes you have to bill for if you're a healthcare institution for phone versus for video. Again, for us, we're lucky because the phone equals the video in terms of what we're going to get paid by the um, mm-hmm. by the insurers locally, which yeah. made a huge difference. So if you have any yeah. lobbying power, feel free to lobby that. Um, because yeah. it allowed us to continue care seamlessly. I mean, we didn't miss a single appointment. We just, we flipped all those appointments over just to be telephone um, and explained it to patients. And, wow. put you know, put some stuff off. Like, we were like, you know, maybe now is not the time for your physical since I can't actually examine you. Yeah. Let's just yeah. wait on that one. Um, yeah. Interestingly, people do keep calling in and insisting that they get their cholesterol drawn in the middle of a pandemic. And and it, it does, I think to me, it just is interesting. And mm-hmm. reflection of yeah. how much we have emphasized certain things over others, right? Like yeah. the last thing a doctor is worried yeah. about right now is your cholesterol. I got to tell you, everybody, <laughs> do not worry about your cholesterol. Yeah. Yeah. Cholesterol takes 20 years to kill you, if at all. Um, <laughs> it's not a disease. It's not a disease. It's just that you need to eat differently. So mm-hmm. it's fascinating. Yeah. But uh, but it's been, I think, the most, um, the most wonderful part of being able to keep people in touch with the healthcare team that they trust Mm -hmm. is that their anxiety level was, we were able to just take that down a notch or two right away. If you're talking to someone that you don't know and you can't see them or they're on video, but you don't really know them and you got that weird video thing I was talking about. I don't know how much that affects your anxiety, but if you're with people
2: that you know and trust, it makes a huge difference. That, that is awesome. Well, you know, I think, that we can take that model and spread that everywhere, you know, you know for instance, the fact that we had so many different, um, what is it, apps that we were using for multiple appointments, and I have to echo you on this, it was extremely frustrating to try to download all these different things, and some of the apps weren't compatible with my ipad and i was just like oh my goodness gracious it, it yep. was i'll be honest it's extremely extremely frustrating so you guys are always doing doing great work so you know as and i don't know how things are in boston i'm in in houston we are starting to kind of open back up slowly well i would say midway so do you guys foresee in the future of, of leveraging more of telehealth to do your do your patient care or do you think you guys would just kind of flip back to same old same old I,
1: there we can't go back um, safely mm-hmm. for two years till there's a vaccine I mean people I think my my prediction Desiree is that if people are trying that where you are they're going to have to retreat <laughs> and go back to telehealth so I yeah. don't we're not even going to try and go back full steam it doesn't make any sense It's not safe not safe yeah. for me it's not safe for you um, right. and only one of us has the fancy mask on so let's not right That's that's not mm-hmm. parody. parity
0: um,
1: yeah. yeah and you know so I, I don't I don't think we want to do that I, what we're planning on doing is is really having a many of our providers be home say three out of five days and only in the office two out of five days and just kind of mm-hmm. rotating folks through um, so that all of our patients get a chance to see us in person when we know that we need to have a face-to-face visit because we, there are patients that I'm worried about that I haven't been able to see, um, yeah. but, but we've actually been seeing them in, 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 two clinics in our system anyway, if it really is urgent. The, mm-hmm. I have, although I have to tell you, it's fascinating how many things I can manage over the phone. i no idea how many different things you do not have to pay for parking and come in and see me for. That's right. So I, I genuinely want patients to start to insist and and you should probably get your amazing group of people that, that love you and follow you to start writing letter after letter after letter to Congress or CMS Mm -hmm. or wherever, like name it all, right? Just send it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Demanding that this never go away because It's going to feel very silly to be dragging you guys back into the office for a conversation that actually is more effective when you're in your house and calm and really able to listen to what I'm saying and Mm -hmm. really able to like, you know, think about this, right? With diabetes, it'd be like, hey, you know what? Get up and go open your fridge and just tell me what's in it, right? You don't even have to do the embarrassment of having it on video because I don't know. I don't want to show anyone my fridge. I don't know what yours looks like, but (laughs) it is not. Mine is not a thing of beauty. I got yeah. three teenagers, and they are just absolute little pigs, guys. So, <laughs> so getting, um, you know, getting that kind of interaction and that kind of calm that that I have noticed between, you know, me really, you know, being in a very safe environment. I'm in my house, which I happen to enjoy. I have a very lovely family. And them, you know, not being frantic between trying to get to the appointment and time from work and worried about the kids and, you know, all the other just yeah. stressors that used to be part of our life. That mm-hmm. that peace, that grace has been beautiful. I love it. And I, I will I will fight to not, not give that up. Um, I think that yeah. it's very appropriate for certain things to mm-hmm. not demand that I sort of pretend to examine you right you know like yeah. if you've been my patient for 20 years and and we're mm-hmm. just talking about stuff does it matter what your what your heart rate is i don't know right this is apparently yeah. not because people are doing pretty well and it hasn't been long but you know there have been many fewer emergencies than uh and i i think our medical system led us to believe um yeah. Not to discount the, you know, we do physical, physical exams actually really important for certain things. But um, ironically, the things that telehealth was used for before, I find harder to diagnose on telehealth than the stuff that I just described. It's much easier for me to have a conversation with you about how are we going to make your diabetes and right the best possible state that you can manage than it is for me to figure out exactly why your throat hurts, because it's really hard for me to examine your throat and your ears um yeah. ironically, telehealth was used for that other thing, not
2: for diabetes. And so I again we need to start doing some advocacy to switch those. Uh, you know, and you said something that hit the nail on the head. You know, I know from the patient population, we have been screaming from the rooftops, you know, telehealth, 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 especially in rural populations, you know, you yeah. know, some communities that don't have access to adequate health care. I mean, we have been Trying, and it was just amazing to me to see how quickly we were able to flip to telehealth literally, like you said, overnight. And so, I would echo that too for all the listeners you know, those that are tuning in. To really take a take a strong advocacy role in your communities and write your legislature, share your telehealth stories, you know, really push your government officials to not let this go away. Because I I agree, I don't think we can go backwards. The only thing we can do is go forward. And so, you know, I'm I'm hoping that we can all band together, clinicians and patients, and really, you know, stand our ground and say, we want to keep this. This is, this is working. I mean, I think about, This is is
1: better medicine, Desiree, right? This is better medicine, actually. This is not, this is not
2: second best. This is actually better for certain things. We should just say that. We should just be brave. Yep. And, and, you know, I think about like my mother, she's got um, Alzheimer's and, You know, to manage that and take her to appointments sometimes is fairly difficult. Now, granted, yes, you know, she needs to be seen for certain things, but some things as far like in a medication adjustment can be done quite easily over the phone, which is a whole lot less stressful, not only for myself, my father, but her as well, right? You know, change of environment, you know, so there's so many. And then the other thing you talked on that I want to comment really quickly is how the joy back into the work, you know, before all this, we were hammered around what clinician burnout, clinician burnout. Now, don't get me wrong, those that are in the emergency centers, you know, we're hearing stories of of physicians in, in New York and the ICUs that are really going to be burnt out. But I think, you know, what you expressed is, you know, your home, you're in your home environment, your patients are less stressed, that passes that energy off to you, you're less stressed. I mean, I, I can see us really using telehealth and telemedicine to kind of bring that joy back into the work. Which, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> For both,
1: Well, for both of us, right? So th- take your example of medication adjustment. That's such a great example. Because what happens when you're in front of me in the office is I'm like, hey, uh, what what are you taking for that blood pressure? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, did you bring your medicine? You're like, uh, no. But I don't walk around with, my, with pill bottles either. But, you know, we always theoretically ask you to bring it in every time. Well, imagine we're on a telephone call. I'd be like, oh, well, just go get it. I'll wait. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? How great is that? Um, it, it, and, it, you it know, is, problem solved. That's better medicine. That's not yeah. substitute. And, and, you know, I'm pretty darn jo- joyful all the time. Like I get this amazing sense of, you know, love and community. And, and I have to tell you, it's the, it's wonderful uh, again, but your but your point is a good one, right? What, what patients are able to do in a way that I am just admiring is that mm-hmm. they're more in control when they're on their end of the phone than they are when they're in front of me. They're not as intimidated, and um, they're not in a in a foreign environment, so so they'll say stuff that I think just feels easier to them, and it's much easier for me if I don't really know what's going on. And and the beautiful part is, it's now taking me like five minutes to hang up the phone because you know, I'm like, wow, well, it sounds like we're you're trying to like end the conversation, probably like what you're trying to do with me right now. No. Um
2: oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not kidding, no. I'm Just kidding. You know, Great right? fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that uh, it, that I am.
1: And the the conversation starts with, you know, ends with, you know, oh, great. Well, it sounds like we've kind of, you know, at least solved that problem. And, you know, do you want to check back in in a week or right? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, if you do, you just call the office. I'm, I'm always available. And they say, yeah, I think, OK, but how are the kids? How are you doing? Are you keeping safe? Right. Just the all the love, all of the beautiful yeah. parts of our relationship. Like it's five more minutes of like of like. Oh right, I've got to give five minutes before I end so that I can do the making, reassuring them that I'm okay. Right? They really yeah. want to know that that um, that I'm taking care of myself because I matter to them, and and they know that that they matter to me, which is absolutely lovely. So oh, that
2: that part has been beautiful. That you know, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful symphony. Well, you know, before I let you go, I have one question for you. And this is really, you know, for our listeners that are chiming in. If you could give, I would say, our community, and that makes up of our providers, our patients, and everybody in in between, what advice would you give them to kind of remain in control of their health during this pandemic? I know there's many, but if you could pick your number one stitch of advice, what would it be?
1: So, This is what I say to my patients all the time, which is just keep it simple, right? Health is what we do all day, every day. It does not have to be complicated. You do not need to take vitamins. You do not need to take tons of pills, right? You basically just have to eat right and exercise and get enough sleep. If you do those three things, eh, you're gonna be fine. And when I say eat right, I mean fruits, vegetables, fish, some beans, maybe some yogurt right? Light on pretty much everything else. Um, (laughs) And, yep, no, really, like, those are just kind of the five things we need. Not that I don't have coffee every morning, because I love coffee. But I'm perfectly clear that I'm drinking coffee because I want to drink coffee, not because I need coffee. And coffee's not really a bean, guys. It is kind of a fruit, I guess, but it's totally cheating. Um, (laughs) uh, Right? And just go for a walk. You don't have to join it. You certainly can't join a gym now, anyway. So that's off the table. But just yep. go for walks. It does not have to be complicated, people. Just keep it simple, right? Do the simple things and your body is actually going to be your friend.
2: Oh, well, I love it. Keep it simple. That is words to live by. I'm actually going to stick that on a post-it and I'm going to put that on my computer on my desk. So thank you for for that nugget of advice. Well, this has been as always, a wonderful conversation. And thank you, Dr. Kirsten Meisinger, for joining us today on Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. And again, we want to thank our wonderful sponsors and partners in this work, Dr. Natasha Washington at ATW Health Solutions. And there's another little piece of tidbit I want to share with you guys. We have a campaign that you've been hearing all about And so if you've listened to this podcast, you know, you've been listening out for the word of the day. So the word of the day at the end of the podcast is Cambridge Alliance. So remember, Cambridge Alliance, our word of the day. Thank you so much, Kirsten. Always a pleasure. And I cannot wait to continue the conversation with you next time. Anytime, Desiree. I absolutely
1: adore working with you and admire your work tremendously. Um, So please keep it up that you have
2: an important voice oh thank you and as always guys be engaged follow the pp community online at atwhealth.com